Here's another inspiring message from Northside Community Church, Sydney. Well, I've got a question for you straight off the bat. Uh, can you ever think of a decision that led to regret that could have been avoided if you had either asked more questions or seriously considered the questions someone else had asked you. <laughs> We've got a yep straight up here. That's great. That's good to hear. Um, while you're thinking, I'll give you mine. Uh, mine was uh, back as a teenager, double denim. <laughs> right? Double denim. I should, you know. And look, as, as much as we laugh at that, I'm sure the yep down there, I'm sure the yep in your head probably is a little more serious than double denim and uh, isn't it true that in those moments uh, we tend to ask this question what was I thinking there we go see we always ask the question what was I thinking denim on denim denim on denim since when was that ever a thing other than in the 80s what was I thinking but I think the challenge and why we often go so wrong is we ask the wrong question. Maybe instead of asking, what was I thinking? What if we asked, what was, what, why wasn't I asking? We say, what was I thinking? Why don't we ask ourselves, why wasn't I, why didn't I ask someone whether denim on denim is a good idea? Then we may be a little bit wiser. And that's what we're going to do over the next couple of weeks is that we are going to look at this unique relationship between these two things, good questions and good decisions. Good questions and good decisions. Because our decisions are no better when we'll come to see than the questions that we ask ourselves. And over the next few weeks, we're going to look at a number of questions that if you ask these questions, then you're going to be better off financially and relationally and academically and professionally. And here's why we're going to look at all of these questions. Because you, I don't know if you've ever found this, you are not the only one who is impacted by your internal decisions. Anyone ever discovered that? Part of the reason we have regret is because we didn't necessarily hurt ourselves, but we hurt the people around us. And we've been through the series where regardless of how much we think that we can keep these things to ourselves on the inside, we leak. And these decisions that we make on the inside leak. Um, but um, if you allow me for a moment, <laughs> and it, it shouldn't be this way, but chances are that you were at the center of every decision that you made that led to regret shouldn't be this way but it is you were at the center of those regretful decisions you were the ones that caused it you were the part of it all right it shouldn't be this way and so you know allow me to uh allow allow for a moment for that to sink in in fact allow me to rub it in that um you have talked yourself into you have deceived yourself into you have sold yourself on every bad decision that you have ever made and the reason I know that about you, the reason I know so much about you is I know so much about me. <laughs> and we humans, that's how we operate. And so what if we could look at this relationship between our questions and our decisions? We end up asking, what was I thinking? What was I doing? And maybe we should be saying, why wasn't I asking? Because here's the challenge. If you notice this, 
that the easiest person to deceive in the world is the person in the mirror. Way back in Jeremiah in the Bible, it says, The heart is deceitful beyond all things. Uh, there's something about the human heart that just allows us to talk ourselves into stuff. And I don't know about you, but uh, whenever I come up to a questionable decision in my life, or the sort of question that could be questionable, the sort of decision that could be questionable, it's as if there's this imaginary salesperson in my head. And the weird thing is, they've kind of got my voice. I don't know why, but it's like I've turned into someone who works at Rebel or Dejuba for the ladies, or uh, any of those... Ret- I have this retail sales assistant in my head that starts talking me into the... De- Anyone ever had this? Is it just me? Don't leave me hanging. <laughs> We've got this innate ability to talk ourselves into stuff. What is up with that? What can we do about it? Well, look, uh, good questions lead to good decisions. And in fact, uh, last week, our elders did a a planning brainstorm. And Tom, our chairman, who is like a professional brainstormer, that's what he does. He worked for PwC on his business card. It says professional brainstormer. It does. It's true. Our chairman is a professional brainstormer. And so uh, he last week did something radical. We had to do this brainstorm for all the ways that we're going to reach, uh, reach the community. And the sheer genius of the guy, he said, no, we're not going to do a brainstorm. We're going to do a question storm. Hey, anyone ever done a question storm? No, that's why he's a genius. Okay? He did a question storm. And the premise of this, because it's from PwC, he's the expert. He says, if you can get to the best question, then you can get to the best decisions. If a question leads to a question, leads to a question, leads to a question, then you can get to the best decisions. In fact, you get a much better answer. So that's what we're going to look at in this series. And so the, the thing that we're going to look at is, is going to bring you into conflict with the sales associate in your head. You okay with that? The salesperson in your head is not going to like you for the next couple of weeks, okay? But bear with us. Stay strong. Tell them who's boss, all right? And, and it's because you are, you are going to start asking yourself a series of questions. And here's the first question. Here's the first question that can lead to a good decision. Are you ready for the first question? Okay. I could just t- I could tell. You were like, just give it to me already, Sam. Okay. <laughs> here's the first question, the first good question. Am I being honest with myself? Write it down into your phones. Take a photo. Put it on Instagram. Whatever you want to do, however you want to remember, am I being honest with myself? Because we all have a tendency to create what Professor Erin Brown would call plastic truths. She says, what we've said so many times in our heads becomes our plastic truth. Over time, these fake parts of the story, the pieces we've made up, actually cement into gaps between the truth. And we tell ourselves internal stories to avoid facing mistakes. Plastic truths. You want to know my plastic truth? Um, when, whenever, whenever I go out and I'm a, at a soiree, do we still call it soirees these days? <laughs> no. What, it was a ne- what do we call it? Networking event. Networking event. Is that fine? Okay. Is there a new term for that these days? An event. Okay. An event where alcohol served and you have to talk to people that you don't know. Networking event, right? One of those ones. Whenever people ask me what, what I do or what I did, I say, oh, yeah, I studied accounting and finance, right? It's technically true, technically true, but it's not the whole truth. 
And the reason that it's not the whole truth is that, like, I studied accounting and finance for four years, and I kind of worked in, in it for about two to three years, and then I've been a pastor for 17 plus, I think maybe even 20 years now. So, little plastic truth. And the reason is, because the truth is, the reason that I say that when I go out there is because we live in the Lower North Shore, and when you're in the Lower North Shore, you're kind of somebody, aren't you, if you've studied accounting and finance, Right? So my deep truth is, what is really happening in that moment with the plastic truth is that I'm trying to create an image for myself that is technically true, but it's not the whole truth. Am I making sense? You with me? Now, this is such a modern problem, right? Because they didn't have soirees back in the first century. Right? Well, they, they did. They had toga parties. I had... <laughs> Uh, you know, you get dressed up with the sheet around there. And those guys, the Greeks, uh, came up with a really fascinating word for this idea of plastic truths and the tendency of the human heart to create spin. And here's this word that they made up. You may never have heard about it before. Thanks, Kara. Hippocrates. It's my best Greek accent. Hippocrates, where we get the word, class? Hypocrite. Right, hypocrite, play actor from underneath the mask and so this is part of the human condition this has been happening for thousands of years that we humans right and you know it you sense it because you watch it in everyone else but i'm sure that you know it in and of yourself there is an element with the plastic truths where we speak from beneath the mask we speak from the me that we want people to see oh i heard a sermon series on that click the link here on youtube to go back and <laughs> right we speak from beneath the mask to project a me that I want people to see. And it is to that dynamic that this guy comes into history, the wisest guy that I believe has ever walked the face of the earth, the, the most precise teacher that has ever walked the face of the earth, comes in and he says to this human inclination to spin, spin to other people, but more worryingly, as we'll hear from this guy, our ability to spin to ourselves. Listen to what this guy says. He also told him this story, can the blind lead the blind? Will they not both fall into a pit? Students are not above their teacher, but all who are fully trained will be like their teacher. Why do you look at the speck of sawdust in someone else's eye and pay no attention to the plank in your own eye? Next one, thanks, Kara. How can you say, friend, let me take the speck out of your eye when you yourself fail to see the plank? The Greek word for plank there was load-bearing beam of a house. In your own eye, you, there's the Greek word, hypocrites. First, take the plank out of your own eye and then you'll see clearly to remove the speck from the other person's eye. That's what Jesus says. He says, how can you, how can you see the plank in another person? How can you see the speck in another person's eye when you can't see the plank in your own? To which, I don't know how you ever used to read this passage. Maybe it's how you still read this passage. But... I kind of read this passage as, you know, don't judge because people have got their stuff going on. Have you kind of heard that? Like, don't judge other people because you've got your stuff, they've got their stuff, don't judge. That's how I at least used to read this passage. Uh, but when you see, and what we will see that Jesus is doing here, Jesus, Jesus is really fundamentally saying, are you being honest with yourself? Are you being honest with yourself? That's what Jesus is saying through this language here. You know, I thought this passage was all about don't judge. You know, like the bumper sticker, nobody's perfect, don't judge. So you just don't judge. 
But Jesus, we have to realize, is like the master spiritual oncologist. And a spiritual oncologist like Jesus is Jesus is, Jesus is concerned about removing the ca- cancer. He's not concerned about the symptoms. And what we have to understand that Jesus is saying here is he's saying, I want to get to the source of all of this issue. And what he's saying fundamentally to us through this is that a judgmental spirit is the, just the example that I'm giving you as the symptoms. A judgmental spirit is the symptom of something far deeper and far more hurtful, something far more sinister that is happening on the inside of you. A judgmental spirit is always the symptom of you not really being honest with yourself. Are you being honest with yourself? Really? It's the inherent inclination of the human heart, says Jesus. And this is what he's trying to cut out here. It's, it's the default of our heart to want to divert attention away from ourselves so we don't have to deal with ourselves. And so what's the problem here, class? Judgment? No. Judgmental spirit's the symptom of a deep cancerous source, and that is a hypocrite. A hypocrite is someone who is not being honest with themselves. And so they're play-acting. They're, p- they're portraying an image out here in order to divert attention for what's happening in here. So Jesus says for all of this, are you being honest with yourself? Are you seeing yourself clearly? And so here's my premise. It stands to reason then that if it's the inclination of the human heart that it's so easy to deceive ourselves because it's the natural tendency of the human heart to divert attention away from it through creating an image, plastic truths, uh, spin city, image management. If, if, it, if, if, if the easiest person is, is the one in the mirror to deceive, then isn't it safe to say, let's just hypothesize class, that you are doing that to yourself right now. Um, in cor- corporate sense, uh, corporate terms, uh, there's a thing called the Johari window. Anyone ever seen the Johari window? Looks like this. I've adapted it from a guy called Pete Scazzaro. Thanks, Cara. Next slide. There we go. This is the Johari window where you look at what is known to others and what's not known to others, what's known to others, what's known to you and what's not known to you. And so we see, these are Sam's labels in here by the way, where these different things lie within our character. That hypocrisy resides in that area of your life that things are not known to others but are known to you. Those things that you hold within yourself, that you withhold from other people. Then up there where you have things that are known to self and known to others is you have authenticity, you have transparency, you have simplicity. Then that scary gap that we're going to have a look at, that area where you've got things that are known to others but are not known to you. We call them blind spots. And the antidote for blind spots is what we're going to talk about this morning, honesty. And then this weird space, things that are not known to you and not known to other people, that's where humility lives. And we'll see that. And so if, if it's the default of the human heart to, to not want to see ourselves clearly and to deceive ourselves, why don't we, and here's the thing, why don't we just upfront agree this morning that we're willing to tell ourselves the truth even if it feels bad? I don't know. Anyone willing to do that? I'll load it to you early so you can think about it. Why don't we just tell ourselves the truth early even if we feel bad about ourselves? But how do we go about knowing 
the things that I know that I don't know. Does that make sense? How do I go about knowing the things I know that I don't know? The first thing you do quickly is you just admit it. You just admit that you don't know. I, Jesus goes on to say here, Can the blind lead the blind? Will they not both fall into a pit? Students are not above their teacher, but all who are fully trained will be like their teacher. You know what Jesus is talking about here? <laughs> Fourth quadrant of the Jahari window, of course. That's, that's the model that Jesus had in his mind when he said, can the blind lead the blind? In other words, Jesus is leading us in that to, to say a student cannot be above their teacher. What he's saying is there is someone, <clears throat> Jesus, in the world who resides in that special space outside of what you don't know and what others don't know. That there is a supernatural revelation that can come into your life when you follow Jesus that you can begin to find the answer. But the only gateway to that answer is humility. And so in other words, a Christian is someone who is willing to put their hand up and admit and say, there are things that I don't know that I don't know. That a Christian is someone who understands that the first step to being real is acknowledging that you don't know how to deal with life, with yourself, with your character. It's humility. That's, that's what that is. It's in the fourth quadrant. So you've just got to admit it. If you don't admit it, then you're always going to be down the path of not doing the next steps. If you don't admit it, you're not going to do the next thing, which is ask it. Ask it. He goes on to say, why do you look at the speck of sawdust in someone else's eye and pay no attention to the plank in your own eye? Now, if you look, if you ask any of you know, my AA or NA friends, actually, you can't ask them because they're anonymous, um, but you should know. But if you've got any friends that you know are in AA or NA, they will tell you this, that rigorous Honesty is the first step to recovery. And that's what I learned when I went through, as a kid, through Al-Anon, which was a course for family of alcoholics. That's when I learned the 12 steps to AA. And the fourth step to AA was to make a searching and fearless moral inventory of ourselves. It's why, by the way, church, you know, people that are going through these recovery courses as a pastor are some of the healthiest Christians that I know. Because they do this stuff. They've already done the admitted. They've already admitted that, there is, that they're powerless and that there, there is a power beyond themselves. That's fourth quadrant. Like so many uh, people who are in recovery have strong spiritual journeys because of these steps. And so to make better decisions and to avoid unnecessary regret, tell yourself the truth, even if the truth makes you feel bad about yourself. Now, that sounds like a horrible thing for a pastor to say, but here's why. Here's why. Um, there, there are worse things than knowing a truth about yourself that makes you feel bad. And you know what the worst thing is? Not knowing <laughs> a truth that is really bad for you. A, a classic for me was I had, a, um, I had a, a, a really good friend and she's uh, prone to skin cancers. And uh, she's, you know, one of those ones, you know, where you're the skin type that you need to go like every three months to the skin doctor. You know, you've got the maps, you go into the machines and stuff swirls around you and you've mapped every little nook and cranny of your body because your skin is so sensitive to the sun that, you know, you just need to go. Well, she was one of those people, right? You know, and so she had, had found and sensed a lump on her leg and she needs to go to the doctor you know, every three, six, 12 months to do this. And she didn't tell anyone about that for 12 to 18 months. And her husband was absolutely just beside himself. <laughs> There's a truth in that moment that was going to make her feel nervous and bad. But what's worse? <laughs> not knowing the truth, whether that thing is cancerous or not. That makes sense? So 
So ask, ask it, am I being honest with myself? And not only ask this, but am I being honest with myself really? Okay, say that in your head. Really. Say it out loud. Really. Okay, you have to add the really, okay, because you are not going to want to do this, but you need to ask yourself these questions. Why am I avoiding him? Really? Why am I postponing that? Really? Why <laughs> did I say yes? Really? Why did I choose to wear this? Really? Why did I purchase or lease that? Really? Why did I move in? Really? Why won't I get help? Really? Getting the point? And so much of this rigorous honesty is to, to go down and to ask yourself the deep question, why, why, why? I didn't do this. Well, why didn't I do this? Well, have a conversation in your head. It's okay. Your pastor said it's okay. Have a conversation in your head. You're not going to be crazy. You need to ask it. The last one, outsource it. Outsource it. Jesus says, how can you say, friend, let me take the speck out of your eye when you yourself fail to see the plank in your own eye? You know, look, here's the thing. Uh, the reason that we have a hard time being honest with ourselves is kind of not our fault because psychologists will say we as human beings are prone to this sinister thing called confirmation bias. Anyone heard of that? Confirmation bias. You know, confirmation bias is when you have already predecided what it is that you think is best for you and you go looking for the source material that that is absolutely the best thing for you. It's like when, I don't know, for example, uh, you go around and uh, you feel that there's a certain uh, type of shirt that you should be wearing and you think that it's entirely fashionable and everyone says denim on denim does not work, right? And you see, well, they're wearing denim on denim. See, I told you, told you, confirmation bias. Confirmation bias is you've already sold you on all of this, that tendency we have to look for the arguments that already support what it is that we believe. How do we get out from confirmation bias well here's the first thing whenever you catch yourself selling yourself just hit pause right if you catch yourself if you hear the sales associate in your head hit pause tell them to sh just stop it hit the pause button hit the pause button and here's what you then go and do and this is free uh, this is great this is not like a, a counselor or psychologist it's going to cost you a hundred bucks at time uh, time this is some uh, something that you can do that is totally free this is something that you can do is totally free and often just as effective you know what you go and do you go you go searching around and you find someone who is not you Go and find a not you. Has anyone got a not you in their life? I'm sure you have, hanging around at home. Yeah, like at, at work, uh, somewhere you've, you've got around. Go and find a not you, and they're going to help you stop selling to yourself. The beauty with a not you too is that if you're really lucky, like my not you, she's, um, she's amazing. <laughs> I found like this is the gift, you know, the gift of marriage is that... <laughs> I discovered this by accident, that uh, when you get married or if you've had a long-term partner in life and you're blessed to do that, all of you married, not yet married, this is the blessing that's ahead of you. Uh, when you get married, you get someone who is in your life who is not you. 
And um, the thing for me was, like, I, I went through life, and you do family life. I'm kind of like you guys. You know, you do family where you, your parents can show you all your faults. Uh, your siblings can show you all your faults. Then you move out of home. Then you get a flatmate, and your flatmate can show you all of your, your faults. And then you get married. I don't know if you found this marriage. Uh, but you get married, and then you're not you starts telling you all of the same faults. And you're like, have you been speaking to my mother? Have you been speaking to my brother? Like, have, you, have you been speaking to my old flatmate? Like, how would you possibly know that? Like, and, then, and then you have this revelation moment where you go, that actually could be true. And, and for all of the years of the wondrous advice that you've had from the parents and the siblings around all of your points, why do we never pick that up until you meet your blessed, not you? Because what we've been up, at, up until that point is that when it comes to the parents, they're old. What do they know? You know, they're, they're not a millennial. They, they don't understand anything. They don't, they're not even on Instagram. You know, if it's, if, if it's a sibling, well, of course, you know, they're just jealous. They, you know, if it's, if it's your flatmate, well, I found them on flatmate finders anyway. I'm not going to see them. And, right? What are you, what are you doing? You're, <laughs> you're seeing the plank in everyone else and you're not able to see the speck in your own eye. See how it works? And so if you want to get rid you know, of, of, of the plank in your own eye, get yourself a not you. And I'm not saying rush out and get married. I'm saying there are people in your life who are willing, people who love you, people who care for you, people who will say the phrase that my best mate says. I've got a couple of not yous. That's how crazy I am. I've got one at home and I've got one that I hang out with. And the one that I hang out with has an amazing phrase for me. That write it down and give it to your not you. Not you. My, my friend, not you, he says this to me, Sam, I know that you would want to know this. Right? He's living off in the fourth quarter. He's got the courage and he's got the permission to do what so many of our friends don't do. Because, you know, you know what our friends are like. You know, we go out to dinner. We have that one annoying person at the table. They leave to go to the bathroom and then we all snigger. <laughs> I'm like, Jenny, oh, she just won't shut up. Well, has anyone ever told Jenny that she over-talks? No, I'm not doing it. I'm not doing it, right? <laughs> I assume by the laughter you've already done this. So, you know, maybe that's the first thing that you could admit, is that maybe you're not courageous to help your friend in the fourth quadrant of the Jahari window. See, you learned something from Jesus in church. Find a not you in your life. And here's why as we finish this morning. Here is the promise that's ahead of, <laughs> ahead of you. This wise guy says, if you hold to my teaching, you are really my disciples, and then you will know the truth, and the truth will set you free. I believe this morning he's saying, you will know the truth about yourself. If you ask yourself this question, am I being honest with myself really? Then you will know the truth about yourself. And as much as it feels bad, that cancerous part of you that if left unchecked will destroy your life and the lives of those around you can at least be found and this sounds simple right it's simple but here's the problem it's simple but it's terrifying and you and I both know because of the way that we whether it's I study accounting and finance we know through our own plastic truths that the image management, if we see ourselves doing that, it's an opportunity for you and I to say this morning, because we've heard from Jesus, you know what, that could be an opportunity to get a little bit honest with myself. What am I trying to hide? How am I trying to deceive myself in this moment? And so as you leave this place, I would just want to 
ask you and encourage you to commit to have a heart-to-heart with yourself in the mirror this week. Wait till you're not you is no longer using the bathroom or doing their makeup or whatever they've got to do for the morning. Um, But find a mirror and ask yourself this question. Say it out loud. Use your name. Sam, are you being honest with yourself? Really? And can you please do me a favor? Use that voice and accent. Right? It will be proof that if you're blessed to live with someone that you're doing your homework for church, they will hear you. Really? <sighs> Begin by being honest. It won't hurt to know. But you know what will hurt? What will hurt you is what you don't know, what you won't know, what, ref- what you refuse to know because you refuse to be honest with yourself. Jesus says, come, learn from me, know the truth, not just about how I've designed your life to be, But know through this little lesson I've given this morning, know the truth about yourself. Be liberated. There's a relationship, we'll keep exploring it between good questions, good decisions. That's the first one. Let's pray. Father, it is so scary for us to be real with ourselves, but I'm hopeful, I'm desperately hopeful, I'm prayerful in this moment, Lord, that as we come to communion in the safety and the quietness of this place, that there may be aspects of our character or our life or things we've done or the regretful things that we've said or the decisions that we've made that provide us with the source material to do what we're going to do right now. Lord, we don't want to move out of this place without the gift of something into that fourth quadrant of our life. It's why we approach this communion with humility. Lord, as your followers got the courage to admit um, that there are things here in our life that we don't know and that even our not used don't know about our lives, but you do. And so I'm praying through your Holy Spirit um, that there would be revelation for us in this moment, um, that there would, thing, would be things that come to mind and that you would work amongst us, God, not just for those who believe in you, but Lord, it's possible through these questions that Lord Jesus, for those who wouldn't even call themselves Christians, get to participate in this moment of healing. I encourage them to do that now. Speak to us, Lord, I pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Well, thanks for tuning in. If you'd like to find out more about Northside, visit northsidechurch.org.au.